you know, over the years, we have valued prayer in this church and prayer meeting. And you hear a common refrain here that, that prayer is the most important service of the week. It's the engine that drives the church. It's what we're all about. Jesus said that my house shall be called a house, a house of, prayer. of prayer. And, you know, a lot of times when you look around churches are houses of preaching or houses of music or houses of outreach or houses of almost anything but prayer. And sometimes prayer can be almost like a filler. You know, it's what we do to get from one part of the service to the next. And I think that must really grieve the Lord when we, we allow, when we get out of alignment with God's direction for what he's called his house to be. And I'll be honest with you, there have been seasons over the years, in, even in this church, where we have gotten out of alignment with how God wanted his house to be structured. And I thank the Lord. I'm thankful for Pastor Charlie. I'm thankful for Pastor Ben and our leaders, Pastor Keith, our elders, Bill Greider, our deacons. I'm thankful that, that in this place we value prayer. And that, that, you know, it doesn't matter whether we've got 200 or 20, we're going to pray. Because when we pray and we align ourselves with God's mandate for his house, blessings flow. The more that we align ourselves, the more God is able to bless his house because his house is fulfilling the purpose that he has called it to be, a house of prayer. And, you know, even in this very sanctuary that we're in tonight, we had this issue. We talked about it with the HVAC, and it was getting colder outside. And, you know, as we have valued prayer and put prayer first, it stokes faith inside of you. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God came through and provided over $16,000 for us to have brand new units installed right back there. They work great, beautifully. They're way more efficient. We're, we're, we're saving money on energy because of it. It's a blessing. Yes, amen. And I'll tell you, in this, this week in the other building, so we're having a similar issue where the HVAC is getting older and it's kind of on the fence. Is it going to work? What's going to happen? They looked at it today. They think they can get part of it working. But I talked to the gentleman who's in charge in the parking lot this morning, and I said, but if we can't, can't get it working, what, what are we looking at per unit? And he said, oh, it's about eighteen to 20000 per unit, and you have three units. So, you know, do some quick math. That's a lot of money. But I'll tell you what, when we pray, yeah. when we allow God to work and flow and move the way that he has designed his house to be, it's a house of prayer, then God will bless. And just like God made a way here, God will make a way there. There are people through that building and through that ministry whose needs are met. They are fed. They get showers. They get clothes. Do you think the Lord is going to turn his back on that? No, he's going to provide. Amen. How many are thankful that we serve a God who provides? He will provide. So tonight, as we think about prayer and the importance of prayer, you know, there's a lot of prayers in the Bible. There's a, a, a really great prayer that Solomon prayed, and there's a lot of principles that we can draw out of that. Moses prayed. He interceded for the people of Israel that God would not destroy them. But we see a prayer in the book of Matthew where Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. And I just want to share with you some principles out of that that might help us to pray a little bit. So we're going to look, and we're going to put the scripture up here on the screen. It's in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. And the Bible says that then Jesus with them went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, 
sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of a trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping? Taking your rest, see the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Tonight, the first thing that sticks out to me at this passage of Scripture, and boy, there's a lot that you could get out of this passage. There's a lot going on here. But the first thing is this, that we see in this passage, Jesus began to be grieved and agitated. He was stirred to pray. See, God knew what was ahead. God knew what was coming. God knew what Jesus was going to be facing. And let's be honest with you. Uh, Jesus knew himself because he was God in the flesh. But for our purposes, Jesus was aligning himself with the will of the Father because Jesus didn't do anything outside of listening to the Father. So here we see that the Father was stirring Jesus. He was agitating Jesus. He was calling him to pray because he knew that he needed strength. He knew what was ahead. And the first thing that we need to think of, the first principle that we see here is the principle of proximity. See, Jesus was stirred to pray because of his proximity to the Father. He was close enough to the Father to where the, when the Father needed to get his attention, because God knew what was coming, Jesus' ears were attentive, and he was stirred to pray. He was agitated, and he obeyed. Let me ask you this. How often are you stirred to pray? How often do you feel that deep down inside where you say, I, I feel like God is doing something in me. I need to stop what I'm doing and I need to pray. Is that part of your spiritual walk? Are you regularly woken up in the night with a sense that I need to pray? Because I'll tell you this, God knows what's ahead. And he uses the Holy Spirit inside of you to stir you and draw you to pray. And just like he did with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, there are times when we need to be in proximity to the Father so that we can feel his calling, so that we can hear his voice because he's stirring us to pray. There's something coming and he needs to strengthen us. He needs to have communion with us. There's something that he wants to pour out in our lives. And if we are not in proximity to the Father, we miss hearing his voice. We miss hearing what he wants to do through us. And I would ask you tonight to take inventory of yourself. Do you hear the voice of the Lord stirring you to pray? 
Do you hear him drawing you to pray? Is there something inside of you where the Lord is saying, come on, it's time for me to have communion with you? Sensing God's promptings inside, that's a gift. And just like Paul told Timothy, you need to fan in the flame the gift. Mm -hmm. You need to fan into flame the gift of hearing God's voice and hearing him draw you to pray, to be in his presence. You know, there are ways that we can live that, that, that squash his voice. Yep. There are times when the voice of the Lord is speaking to us and we can neglect his voice. We can diminish his voice. We can begin to turn to other things in life so that we don't have to listen to his voice. And let me tell you, that is a very scary place to go because eventually you will not hear the voice of the Lord. I tell you something tonight. If you are a Christian and you do not hear God's voice ever stirring you to pray, that is a warning sign. That is a red light flashing on the spiritual dashboard of your life. Something is really wrong. And you need to take inventory tonight of your spiritual life. Uh Oh, Lord, I am not hearing you. I'm not sensing you drawing me to pray because I tell you, the Lord is drawing you. The Lord does desire to commune with you. The Lord does want to speak to you, but you have to be listening. You have to have ears. The ears of your heart have to be open. There have to be times like as Jesus, we get agitated on the inside. We get uneasy. We have restlessness on the inside because the Lord is taking away our peace. There is something that the Lord wants to communicate with us or he just wants to strengthen us. But in any case, we need to commune with the Lord. God, let me tell you, if you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, God will allow some things to happen in your life, which are very uncomfortable because he loves you so that he can get your attention. Right. Trust me, don't go down that path. You don't want that. Just begin to allow the Lord to work in you. Stay close to the Lord. Say, stay soft before the Lord so that you can hear his voice. Proximity, stay close. Jesus was close. The first principle of Gethsemane, proximity. Stay close to the Lord. Now we know that when we pray, there are two main ingredients to prevailing in prayer. Number one is we have to have faith. We have right. to pray in faith. Right. And number two is we have to pray according to God's will. And we see in this passage that Jesus is focused on praying about the situation that he's about to face. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. God is stirring him to pray. He's about to go through something. And if you see over and over again, as Jesus is saying, I don't want to do this, but it's not about me. It's your will. Jesus is praying in a way that lines up with the will of the Father. But let me take this just a step further. Have you ever prayed something that you knew aligned with God's will? Maybe you were praying for salvation for somebody, deliverance in a situation, and you knew that that aligned with God's will, but you just felt like your prayer was not getting past the ceiling. Like, it just, there was no oomph in your prayer. Maybe you had faith for that to happen. You knew that that's what God wanted to happen. That was his will. But for some reason, you just didn't feel that sense of, like, flow in your prayer. I know that we want to pray according to God's will, but let me flip this on its head for a second. Have you ever prayed, Lord, what is your will for my prayer right now? Did you know God has a desire for what you're praying? 
That's why sometimes when you pray, it feels like your prayers don't make it very far. But sometimes when we pray, because what we are praying aligns with God's will in that right, moment, right. it's like a flow. It's right. like it pours out. It's like I'm not even praying anymore. Like the Lord is praying through me. God gives me the ability to pray because what I'm praying is really on the heart of the Father right now. Did you know that God moves in the earth because of prayer? What he does in the earth is because people go before the Lord in prayer. There are ways that God wants to move, but he is searching for a praying people who will pray for his will to be done on the earth. He is searching for a people who are so aligned with hearing his voice and discerning what is it, God, that you want me to pray for in this moment that he can actually begin to move and his blessing can be poured out on the earth. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe it's best before when you're, when you're agitated, when you're restless, when your peace is, is gone and you're drawn into a time of prayer? Have you ever stopped to think maybe before I do anything else, I should just begin to ask the Lord, God, what is it that you want me to pray for right now? What is your will for my prayer time with you? And when you dial in to God's will for that prayer time, trust me, he will give you ability to pray. And that's our second principle of prayer. We have proximity, but then we have ability. Mm-hmm. When we stay close to the Lord, we can hear and, and sense his wooing and his drawing, but then we also know his will for our prayer time, and he gives us the ability. There's nothing like praying in accordance with God's will. Amen. It just flows right through Amen. you. It pours out through you. It's like you're in another space, like you're watching yourself pray because you're like, what is going on? It's like somebody else is just praying through me. Mm-hmm. And there is a sense of faith that begins to come up in you because you know, I have aligned myself with what God wants to do. Amen. If you want to prevail in prayer, learn that principle. Prayer is so important why would we go before the Lord and just muddle words and just say things and just wrote and cliche and all that kind of stuff? Why would we almost waste time, so to speak, in doing that? Why not stop and discern God's will for that time of prayer so that he can give us ability to pray? Proximity's number one. Ability's number two. Finally, in this passage, we see that Jesus returned to the disciples three times and found them sleeping. But he consistently returned to his place of prayer. Jesus may have been frustrated by his slumbering disciples, but it did not deter him from prayer. The third principle that we learn here is consistency. We must be consistent in our prayer life. Our prayer life cannot rest on the patterns of people around us. Amen. Let me tell you, when you get to heaven, you can't put off why you didn't pray, why you weren't consistent because of other people. Oh, but Lord, you don't know this person in my life, this person, they didn't do it either. I was just kind of going with the flow, Lord. How was I supposed to know? No, God gave you his word. He told you. We see the example of Jesus right here. And come on, these weren't just any three people. I mean, imagine the setup in Gethsemane. You've got the disciples. He pulls these three a little bit closer with him, and then he goes a little bit further. So they're supposed to be like the cream of the crop, you know, the top three. 
And here the top three he goes back, and even they are slumbering. Even they are sleeping. Even they can't stay awake to support Jesus in his time of need. It's sad. But it did not deter the Lord, and it should not deter us. Other people's patterns of prayer, what they do or don't do, it's okay. But as for me and my house, Amen. we're going to pray. Amen. As for my situation yes. in my heart, I'm going to pray. People around me may not pray. I don't care. This house may be full on Sunday morning, and it looks like this on prayer night. Not going to deter me. I'm still right. going to pray. That's not, on, that's not on me. That's on other people. That's their decision. But I'm still going to pray. You got to have a made up mind. I am going to follow the Lord. Doesn't matter what the world looks like. You cannot pin your hopes on the world. You cannot look for encouragement from the world. You cannot look for guidance from the world. You have to look for that from the spirit of God, from his word and from the example that Jesus gave us here. Now, let me finish by saying this. Even though those three disciples were slumbering, they weren't bad guys. They were good guys. Sometimes even the good guys slumber. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be straight with you. The world that we live in right now, there's a spirit of sleep that is invading the church. That is true. There is a spirit of slumber. Just like these disciples, they weren't bad people, but they fell asleep on Jesus. There are people that I can look around in my life right now, and they're not bad people. But boy, they're falling asleep on Jesus. I don't know what's going on. Help us, Lord. And it's not about pandemic That's all just a vehicle for how the enemy is trying to get into people's hearts, okay? Don't be deceived. It's it's real. I understand that. But I'm just saying, what's real in the physical is different from the supernatural, okay? And the enemy is trying to use this to draw people and and for there to be a schism and a, a, a great falling away in his body. Listen, no, we cannot be that way. We cannot slumber. Now, these three guys, they slumbered. But you know what? They woke up. Jesus didn't leave them in a lurch. Jesus didn't get mad because they fell asleep. If Jesus got mad at us and left us every time we fell asleep on him, none of us would be here. It's only by his grace. There's been a falling away. There's this whole thing that, that is invading the body of Christ right now. But you know what? I'm praying and having faith. Some folks are going to wake up real soon. Amen. And just like these three disciples woke up, we need to keep having faith. We need to keep reaching out to our brothers and sisters. We need to keep looking for them to wake up. Because you know what? Peter ended up being uh, the, the, up on this rock, Jesus said. I will build my church. Amen. He restored Peter's ministry. He gave him greater ministry in the latter than what happened when he was <coughs> asleep on Jesus. There may be people asleep around us, but that doesn't mean that we forget about them. It doesn't mean that we kick them to the curb. We don't let them deter our prayer life. We're going to be consistent because we're called to be. But at the same time, we're going to have faith that the Lord is going to wake people up. His body is going to wake up and that there's going to be a great return. And that the, the church, remember this, will always be victorious. The gates of hell shall never, Amen. ever prevail Amen. against the church. Amen. Amen. So three principles of prayer, proximity, stay close to the Lord, ability, align your prayer time with him and watch how you will just flow in prayer. Consistency, 
Stay consistent. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. Don't be deterred, but stay consistent in your prayer life. Let's stand together tonight. Maybe there's somebody in your life that has kind of drifted away, maybe fallen asleep, and you're concerned about them. Tonight as we close, can we just take a moment and allow the Lord to give us his will for this prayer? Let's take a moment before we begin to pray and just say, Lord, would you put on my heart the name of somebody that I know is struggling right now? And Lord, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray not because I have some supernatural ability to pray, but because when I align myself with your will, you can pray through me and I have faith. Come on, let's just take a few minutes here. Just in your own way, would you begin to lift somebody up? Don't rush into this time. Let the Lord show you. But as he does, as he reveals this person to you, just begin to call their name out before the Lord. In faith, God is going to wake them up. We thank you, Jesus. As our singers come back, we're going to pray, Lord, we come against this spirit of slumber that is overtaking our world tonight. Lord, we come against it in Jesus' name. Lord, we know we're going to call it what it is. It's a tactic of the enemy. It has so many tentacles, so many ways that it's trying to divide the body of Christ. God, we know that the enemy is crafty. He's cunning, and he will do everything that he can to see the kingdom of God implode. But Lord, tonight we rebuke the plans of the enemy. We say in Jesus' name that there will be nothing that will prevail against your church. But Lord, we cover your church in the blood of Jesus tonight. Oh Jesus, not just this church, not just churches in, in our state and in our, in our city, but Lord, churches across the world. Lord, we pray that there would be an awakening inside of the churches, in the body of Christ, Lord. God, we just pray, draw people to you, Lord. God, help us to see stuff for what it is. And God, I pray that you would draw us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. God, help us. God, if there's a breakdown in relationships, Lord, God, I pray for healing. God, I pray for Matthew 18 to take place. Lord, that people would go to each other and clear the air, that they would not give the enemy a wedge and a place to get in, in between people. But Lord, that God, you would work through us, Lord, so that we would have godly relationships within your body. Oh, giving the enemy no place, no place for division. Lord, we come against this tonight in Jesus' name. 
We thank you and we praise you, Jesus. We worship you. We bless you, Lord.